This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. I want to talk to you today about the power of why. And what I'm going to share with you today is extremely important because we're going to dig deep today into our purpose here at Word of Grace as well as just our purpose as believers. What we do here as a church is so important because it affects our eternity, it affects others' eternity, and it affects the strength of the faith of the next generation. So the survival and the impact of the gospel will be determined by how seriously we take our calling and our relationship with Jesus. I know a lot of times people have this idea of church. They have this idea of Christianity, and it's very strongly compartmentalized in their ideology, just like everything else in our lives. It just becomes something I do, I check in, I check out, I punch the time clock, I punch out, and we look at church as something I do. Well, let me tell you something. Church is not somewhere we go. Church is not something we do. The church, the body of Christ, is who we are. There's a difference between me just doing something and me not being that and wrapping my identity around in that. You see, Jesus is the head and we are the body. Amen? And so because of that, you and I need to own this thing that we call church and not just play games with it. We need to own this thing because it's not what we do, it's who we are. And it's so crucial that we understand why it is that we do what we do because it affects eternity. Man, if we understood eternity, it would change the way that we acted. If we really understood eternity, and, and it's difficult for us because everything that we do has, an, has a beginning and it has an end. Everything that we're a part of has a start and it has a finish. Everything that we do, I mean, uh, somebody's going to eat some Italian food today after church, and that's going to be the beginning, and there will be an end to that meal. Everything we do in life has a start, and it has a stop. So for us to even try to fathom eternity is so difficult. But if we look at God's Word, and if we look at how Jesus was always preaching about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, He said that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and that all these other things that we so aimlessly try to seek after in our lives, said all this stuff would be added unto us. It would just come as a matter of course, one translation says. I really like that, Matthew 6 and 33. Jesus was always about the Father's business. He was always about the kingdom. And if you and I would spend time with Him, then our, 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 our priorities would be shifted as such to where they would be aligned with Him. And we would begin to see what's important to the Father. We would begin to see what's important to uh, this thing that we call church, the why we do what we do. Man, not only does it affect our eternity, but it affects the strength of the faith of the next generation. You remember in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, where the book of Judges opens up with what I consider one of the most, uh, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, where it says, after Joshua's generation and all their fathers were laid to rest, there arose a generation after them that did not know the Lord. I think that it's very important for us to be so kingdom-minded, so kingdom-focused, that we don't make this thing we call church all about us, but we make it all about Him and His kingdom. Amen? 
And when we do that, we're thinking forward. We're looking at the big picture. We can begin to understand why it is we do what we do because we know that what we do not only impacts us and impacts those around us, but we're handing something off to the next generation. When everyone in this room is long gone from here, what is the quality of their faith going to look like? It's going to be directly contingent upon the importance that we placed upon it. How important we placed our, our, our faith was in our homes, how important our faith was with our church family, how important it was to not only just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Those things are going to be passed down to that next generation because they're going to see what was truly important. And we're going to be known for what we prioritized, what we really placed first. So what is important to us? What should be important to us? And what is the quality of the faith of the next generation going to look like? If we understand why it is that we do what we do, it'll change our approach to his kingdom. So the why gives us purpose, if we really understand that. Why it is that we do what we do. We need to understand that and not just memorize some good sayings and just say what we know we have always said or give a good Sunday school answer, but it needs to be burning in our heart. Like the prophet Jeremiah that said, it's like, a fire that's shut up in my bones. Something that is driving my behavior. So many times in Christianity, we try to approach behavior first and we try to fix all of the behaviors. But the behavior is a result of the heart. And Jesus wants to go straight for the heart. He wants to go straight for the core. We want to try to do all the right things, but if we don't have the why beating in our chest, then the behavior is only going to last so long. We can do it for a little while. Maybe you are really good at being disciplined at doing certain things. But if it's not in your heart, it's not going to be genuine. It's not going to be, it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be something that drives you through the difficult times. It's not going to be, because when we understand the why, it causes us to persevere. Amen? You remember when the Apostle Paul said that, that our perseverance produces character and character produces hope and that hope doesn't disappoint you? Remember when we studied that in the book of Romans? Remember how perseverance produces character in us, but to persevere, you've got to have a why. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come up in your life that's going to make you want to quit. There's going to be a lot of stuff in church that's going to make you want to quit on this thing called Christianity. There's going to be a lot of things in this world that they want to throw at you to try to get you to throw your hands up in the air and go, it's not worth it. Your why is the thing that makes it worth it because the why gives us purpose. So for us to understand what is our why here at Word of Grace, why do we do what we do? Why do we gather week in and week out and all throughout the week? Why do we pray? Why do we read our Bible? Because it's a good thing and we're supposed to do it so Jesus will like us and give us a good star beside our name in heaven? No! There are no stars by your name in heaven. There is no uh, a great achievement award where he's going to love you or accept you or bless you more than someone else here on this earth because of your works. Our salvation is not a works-based salvation. Amen? I'm accepted because he gave me a free gift of grace and I receive it by faith. Romans 1 and 17 says that the just are going to do what? Live by faith. Live. That's a continuous thing. That's my lifetime. That's not a one-time event where I say a prayer or I go to a class or someone gives me a, 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 a certificate. But it's a lifestyle. Amen? The just shall live by faith. We're called to live by this thing called faith. 
And our why here at Word of Grace, why we do what we do, why we gather, why we pray, why we give, why we serve, why we work together, is because we believe we have the greatest message in the world. Like three people believe that. I said, why we do what we do is because we have the greatest message in the world. There is no other message on the planet that's going to change somebody's eternity. There's no other message on the planet that's going to change somebody's heart. There's no other message on the planet that can forgive, restore, heal, deliver, set free. There's no other message on the planet that can do that. We have that message. And it is the greatest message in the world. And until we believe that, we're never going to truly understand or capture why it is we do what we do. Until we believe that. We can say it. We can memorize it. We can tattoo it backwards on our forehead so when we brush our teeth in the morning, we can read it. We can do whatever we want to do to read it over and over again. Get a bumper sticker. Get a t-shirt. But until it's in your heart, it's just something that's in your head. You see, for it to truly drive your behavior, for it to drive your behavior, it's got to be in your heart. You've got to believe that the gospel is the message that leads us to salvation, that the gospel is this good news of Jesus Christ dying for sinners in our stead, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got our act together, not when we were perfect, but while we were yet sinners. You see, when we believe that, and we believe that's the greatest message in the world, it's going to change the way you behave. It's going to change the way you act. You see, if I believe that I am the church, I'm a part of the body of Christ, and I believe that I have the greatest message in the world, then when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm going to act differently because I don't want to soil the message of the gospel. You see, when I'm getting impatient in line at Walmart because the checkers knew, and I just happened to get in that line... Or I got the trainee at Texas Roadhouse. Now you're brother. I'm just getting up in your business. You see, when, when I get that person, when I understand that I am the church and the gospel's the greatest message in the world and we have that and that's my why then I'm going to go, you know what? It's really not worth it for me to ruin that girl's day. It's more worth it for me to suck it up, put on my big boy pants, and for me to show this person the love of God. Because I got the why. The why drives my behavior. Instead of me sitting here pointing my finger and wagging my finger and saying, you should be nice to people. And that's what preachers do all over this country. You need to be a nice person. We all know we need to be a nice person. We don't need another sermon telling us to be a nice person. We need a sermon that's going to pierce our hearts with the two-edged sword of the Word of God that's going to grip us and change us and mold us and shape us into who Jesus wants us to be. Amen? That's what we need. That's what we need. And the gospel is that message. The gospel is that message because the gospel reminds me that it's not about me. The law reminds me that I can't save myself. Jesus reminds me that he did it for me and he fulfilled the law in every way. And then he rose from the grave after he took my sin upon the cross so that I could live in newness of life with him here on this earth and for eternity. 
That's the gospel. And everything that I say and do is affecting my or someone else's eternity. And the gospel and the weight and the seriousness that I take it with is going to change my heart. You see, the longer that I am in this faith that we call Christianity, the more precious the cross should be. Because I understand I need it more. Instead of me going, check, got that done, now let's move on to something else. I go, no, I I need to understand this gospel message a little bit more. Because I can get into tendencies of thinking that it's about me. I can get into a tendency of thinking that I've done pretty good and you know, God kind of owes me. I'm a pretty good giver. I, I volunteer a lot. I'm a really nice person. I haven't swore in 20 years. I don't watch the bad things on television, and I have a filter on my internet at home. And I'm a pretty good person, as if being a good person were the goal. Being a good person is not the goal, folks. The goal is to bring glory to God and His kingdom agenda. When we understand that, then the gospel becomes precious to us, and we understand it's the greatest message in the world. And when we understand that and bring weight to it, then we understand that we do what we do here at Word of Grace because we believe we have the greatest message in the world. You see, the greatest message in the world is not that I can be happy, healthy, and wealthy, but rather that once I was lost, now I'm found. Amen? That's the message that will cause someone in a third world persecuted country where Christianity is not allowed to persevere. Not because their tomorrow is promised that it's going to be better than their today, but because God is faithful and they know that God is for them and not against them. And we can be like the Hebrew children that were being threatened to be thrown in the fire. Whether our God delivers us from this fire or not, we will not bow. There's a why. There's a purpose to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You see, we have more resources available today than ever before in the history of man for life enhancement. And if you come here and you think that what we do is just simply spice up your life and make it better, then you're missing the point. If you think that you come to church because pastor's going to tell you how to have a better life, then you're missing the point. The best life is in heaven, amen? Amen. You see, and if I just simply come to church and think it's all about life enhancement, then I'm missing it because there's more life enhancement resources on the planet than ever before today. And if there's so many daggum life enhancement resources available, then why is the divorce rate climbing? Why are children growing up fatherless? Why are children growing up in dysfunctional homes more than ever before? Why are drugs, alcohol, and pornography ruining lives? Because we need another program. That's what we need. We need more resources. Somebody needs to write a book. They already did. And it tells the story of the gospel. We don't need more life enhancement. We don't need more resources. We need heart change. We don't need more how-tos. We have more how-tos. My goodness, there's Wikipedia for crying out loud. You can find out anything about anything. And it's all accurate information. I'll tell you what, if you don't know how to fix something, get on the internet, look up a video, you can find out how to fix probably the exact thing that you own. I can look up my mower, the exact number, and find a video of some guy that's fixing the exact problem I need fixed 
resources out the wazoo. So many resources, it's ridiculous. We don't have to go to a library and use the Dewey Decimal System anymore. Because information is right at our fingertips. We can find out whatever we want to find out. We can fix whatever we want to fix. And there's a hundred different people telling you to do it a hundred different ways. So resources are not the problem. The availability and accessibility of resources to enhance our lives are not the problem. The purpose of church is not life enhancement. We're just not another resource for life enhancement. You understand what I'm saying today? The purpose of the church is to spread the greatest message in the world and to raise up disciples who are growing in that message and who are serving other people. Kind of like loving God and loving people and serving the world. The gospel is the greatest message in the world. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you, the judge, you practice the very same things. Now, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, but do you suppose, O man, that you who judge and practice those things and do them yourselves, that you're going to escape God's judgment? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Don't you know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You see, if we have the greatest message in the world, it's the kindness of God, it's the power of the gospel that should wreck our hearts and lead us to a place of repentance. Amen? Not a place of judgment, but a place of repentance. A place where we realize, wow, Jesus, you are perfect and I am not, so I need you. Jesus, you are holy, and I am not, so I need you. I need you to make me like you. I need, I need you to work on my heart so I can reflect your holiness, so I can reflect your goodness, so I can reflect your purity, your love, your patience, your forgiveness, your kindness. But I first need to recognize my need for it. Amen? And I never, ever stop recognizing my need for Jesus. No matter how smart I get in the scripture, no matter how wise I become to be able to orate the mysteries of the Old Testament, and I can bring out all my Greek lexicons and describe for you in great detail the showbread and the lampstand and all these wonderful things. But yet, do I think I need Jesus at that point? Because I can speak Greek, because I've read the Bible 500 times, do I still understand that at my core I need Jesus? And that my need for him should ever be growing because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads me to repentance, not someone just telling me, you shouldn't do this. I need the kindness of God, the love of God that's not always comfortable. Love's not always comfortable, amen? amen. Love doesn't always fit like a new pair of socks. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You put on a new pair of socks, you feel like you could do anything. <laughs> love doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes love's tough, right? Sometimes love confronts you with things that you go, ooh. But he never gives up. He never fails because his love is meant to lead you to repentance. His kindness leads you to repentance. The weight of the gospel leads me to repentance because it keeps me so close to him and it keeps me at a place where I realize my need for him. So, we understand we have the greatest message in the world. We can all agree on that, right? If you can't, you need to listen to the first part of the message again. 
If we believe we have the greatest message in the world, we understand that's why we do what we do, then what are we going to do about that message? If we understand the why, then what are we going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do here at Word of Grace. We're going to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. That's what we're going to do. This is going to be the flow of understanding why it is we do what we do, and this is what we're going to do about it. We're going to focus on making disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world as we ourselves as disciples are growing and loving God, loving people, and serving the world. As me, as your pastor is still growing and loving God, loving people, and serving the world because none of us have arrived at this place to where we stop growing. Amen? The only time you ever stop growing is when you're done with life. All right? We never stop growing. God doesn't want us to stop growing and reflecting that goodness, reflecting that glory, reflecting who he is to the world that so desperately is looking for someone who is real, someone who is genuine, someone who is authentic, not just someone who's memorized a bunch of words and who can spit them out on command, but somebody who really believes what they're saying. That's what the world's looking for, someone who's real. People pipe up and kind of wake up when they hear someone who really believes what they're saying. Amen? We all have heard or have said things that we knew were the right thing to say, but at our core, (laughs) we really didn't believe those things. You see, if we really believe that we have the greatest message in the world, then we're really going to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world because Jesus told us to do that. Jesus told us in Matthew 28 and verse 16, He said, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Jesus came. He spoke to them. He said, all authority has been given to me in, on heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, based on that authority that I have, and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, even to the end of the age. Never stop. Keep on going till you have no more breath in your lungs. Make disciples of all nations. And I want you to look at this. Let's examine this for just a minute. Let's leave this up here. Jesus spoke to them and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So Jesus is not just suggesting something. He's commanding something because he's first and foremost telling you, I'm telling you this from my place of authority to go do this. And I'm going to empower you to do this. He said, you don't have to do this alone. Look at that last verse. I'm with you always. This isn't something that's completely contingent upon you, but you have a role to play in this. And I want you to go out and make disciples. And here's what a disciple is going to do. A disciple of every nation. We're not going to limit it to just our area. He said, I want you to go all over the earth. This is a global thing. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, I think about Jesus uh, and how he was baptized and how we're baptized unto that death and how that symbolizes our death to our former self. It symbolizes that death to who we were, that that sin nature was nailed to the cross. And when we come up out of that watery tomb, that that person who we were stays down in that grave and now we've been raised up to newness of life with Christ Jesus and when I think about that I think a disciple is someone who leaves their former person in the watery grave and who is growing in the newness of life that only Christ can bring and then I see here where he says that they need to be taught so someone needs to teach them to do what to observe all things that I've commanded you to do so there's an obedience thing here that comes into play there's a trust factor where we need to trust the words of Jesus even 
if they conflict with the way that we've lived our life prior to knowing Him. Now He said, no, you're going to be taught to observe these things, to submit your will, because you have ideas of how things in life are supposed to go. But I'm going to tell you the right way that I want these things to go, because it's going to be beneficial for you. It's going to help others to see me through you and see me at work in you. So I want you to be taught. That's why we gather and we, we teach. That's why disciples need to be taught, and then they need to submit and obey and trust those words. And he said, and you don't have to do this by yourself because this isn't about you because I'm with you always. He said, I'm, I'm here with you always, even, even to the end of the earth. So I'm going to do the heart work that you can't do, but you need to do the part that you can do and the part I've commanded you to do and the part that I've given you the authority to do. Amen? You see, everything we do here at Word of Grace is focused on making disciples who are growing and understanding and applying the Word of God, who are growing in obedience and following in Jesus' footsteps to serve. It all comes out of this love for God. Love God, love people, serve the world. They flow out of one another. We introduce people to the love of God through us serving them and through us inconveniencing ourselves for their benefit, for the kingdom of God's benefit. And we do so consistently, faithfully, and with a good attitude and with a good heart because we love God. And then people are introduced to loving God and the love of God begins to work in their heart to where now they're starting to love some things that God loves because they're being taught, because they're being mentored, because someone is caring about them and serving them. And then they begin to love people and out of their love for people, it comes directly from a love from God because we begin to love what God loves and then that love for people just spills over and makes them want to serve and give also so others can see the love of God. You see how that works? That's what we're going to do about the fact that we have the greatest message in the world. We're showing other people the importance of God in our lives, not just this slice that we've carved out for Him, not just the fact that we set our alarm 30 minutes earlier and we carved out the slice. This is my God time. And then the rest of the 23 hours and 30 minutes. And no, I present my body as a living sacrifice because of the mercy of God. It's a reasonable act of worship. It's what Paul said in Romans 12. So, we understand that we do what we do because we believe we have the greatest message in the world. And what we're going to do about it is we're going to be a church that makes disciples who are growing in loving God, loving people and serving the world. So how are we going to do this? What's the practical steps to this? How are we going to accomplish this as a church family? What's the strategy? We've, we've got the vision. We've got the mission. Now what's the strategy? The how is we're going to intentionally invest in relationships for his kingdom. We're going to intentionally invest in relationships for his kingdom because we believe that discipleship happens best in the context of relationships because relationships are where trust is formed, Right? I mean, that's where you're really going to build that level of trust is when you begin to show someone you care about them, when you begin to reach out to them and you're consistent, when, when, when you are allowing the gospel to impact your life and shape the way you treat other people and you're beginning to love them and invest in them. And God has given each one of us, no matter who you are, a certain sphere of influence. God has given every person in this room a sphere of influence. Some of you have a lot of people that you know. Maybe you're an extroverted type personality that knows a lot of people and God has wired you and given you influence with a lot of people. Maybe you're more of an introverted personality and you have a few close friends and you just have a real small group. And that doesn't mean one person's better than the other. It's just this is what God has given you, the sphere of influence. How are you utilizing that for his kingdom? 
How are you utilizing the sphere of influence for his kingdom? Because we really believe we have the greatest message in the world that's going to drive us to want to do something about it. Amen? I want to be intentional about the relationships that I have because I care about these people's eternity. And I want to invest time in them for God's kingdom. That doesn't mean I just want to lead them in a sinner's prayer and then leave them hanging. I want to grow with them. I want to model my life in front of them that I'm living to Christ. How I'm not perfect. How I don't always have it all together. But how He still loves me. How He's forgiven me. How He has restored things in my life. How He's made me new. And they see that and they hear that. And I begin to intentionally invest that love of God towards them. I serve them. I do things for them without strings attached because I have a relationship with them. And then trust begins to be built over and over and over again. And then the layers begin to come off of the accessibility that they begin to give me in their lives. And God gives me the opportunity in those moments to be able to do more things in their life to teach them, to show them, to make a disciple. Does that make sense? It's really simple because it's everyday life. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about me asking you to do something completely foreign to what you do every single day. I'm just asking you to look at it through a different lens. I'm asking you to look at it through a different lens. When you look at it through the lens of why, all of a sudden you begin to go, Oh my gosh. That lady that I've been sitting with at lunch every day for the past 10 years, that's part of my sphere of influence that God has given me. Do I care about her eternity? Have I been intentionally investing in her for the kingdom? Or have I been a compartmentalized Christian that leaves it at church? Or that leaves it in my quiet time, in my devotional time? Or do I live it to where when I see opportunity and when the layers begin to peel back and when the trust is there... I do take advantage of those opportunities to continually invest every day of my life for the kingdom of God because I'm kingdom-minded. See, that'll change the way that we treat our boss. It'll change the way that uh, we treat our job, the seriousness in which we treat our job, how we act as an example, how we deal with the company gossip that's going on, how well we do our job, how early we show up for our job, all of those things are going to be affected if we look at things through a kingdom lens because we want to do things well, because we want to show them that we love God, and this is how people who love God act. And that's what drives my behavior. Not just someone telling me, you need to show up early for work and do a good job. Everybody knows that. It's not something that we need a class or a resource on. It's something where the heart is missing the why and the purpose. I don't care if you hate your job right now in this room. You might despise your job. Have you looked at it through a kingdom lens and maybe thought for a moment that God has called you there? That changes things. Instead of you doing a poor job, waiting for the next opportunity to open up, when you understand you're called and you understand you're a part of this church, when you understand you're a part of his kingdom, all of a sudden you begin to treat those relationships a lot differently. How can I affect change for the kingdom? Because, folks, I know my glasses came off its own now. (laughs) Listen, I am serious about this. I am serious about this thing that we call Christianity. 
I'm serious about this thing we call church. I am serious about this local body called Word of Grace. I am serious about moving forward to reach people here in this area that God has planted us in and called us to. I'm not messing around. I'm not playing games. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to just make you feel good. I'm not just here to tell you how to do life 2.0. I'm here to tell you that we have a mission to go out and reach people for the kingdom. I'm here to tell you that there are people who are struggling in ways that you and I, we only hear about in the news, who are hopeless. There are people who live next door to you who look like they have it all together, but they're dead in their sin. The person who waves at you every day, when you pass them, that person could be living a life with their eternity separated from God. We need to get serious about this. But to do so, we need to understand why we do what we do. Amen? So discipleship happens best in the context of relationships because relationships are where trust is formed. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we should no longer be children that are tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But here's what we do. We speak the truth in love so we can grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, Christ is the head from whom the whole body is joined and knit together, by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part of that body does it share? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, each one of us has a part to play in the why, in the what, and the how, because we understand that why. We understand the relationships that God has given us. The sphere of influence that you have. I want you to use that, to leverage that to influence and affect eternity. Because here's the thing, I can't get in your world. Me as your pastor, I, I can't get in your world. I can't befriend every person that you're friends with. That's, that's not my job. I can't do that. I can't know everybody you know. God has given you the people that you know. Now, you may not be able to preach a sermon. You may not feel confident enough in your faith to articulate the gospel to someone. Maybe you're not at that level of faith where you have the boldness. So a lot of people, what they do is they live under this shame complex of this condemnation because they look at what they can't do and what they're not doing for God and they feel like they're being whacked over the head like it's some game of whack-a-mole. I want to pop my head in church and get smacked over the head with a rubber mallet. And that's what people feel like when it comes to evangelism. But what you don't realize is that evangelism is a partnership. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know how confident you are in articulating the message of the gospel. But I'm pretty confident in it. And so I'll help you. You use your relational influence to get them here and I'll make sure they hear it. Can we partner together? You use what you can do, what I can't do for you, I can't do through you. You go and use the relationship that you have because you understand why. You get them here. You get them sitting in that empty seat next to you and I'll make sure they hear the gospel loud and clear. I'll make sure that they hear the word of God unfiltered with a kingdom agenda, not a personal agenda. 
So use what you have. That's partnership evangelism 101, where we catch the vision and we go, we can't stay here. We need to move forward. I want to leverage what God has given me for His kingdom's sake. And we'll make sure that we get that part done to make sure they hear the gospel. So here's what I want to ask you. Every person has a part, and who are you praying for? Who are you praying for at your work? Who's that coworker that always comes in down in the dumps or the one who's going through a marriage issue right now? Who's that coworker who's addicted to pornography or addicted to drugs or, or, or who's a raving alcoholic? Who's that coworker that you sit next to every day and you talk about the Packers, you talk about the Brewers, eventually you're going to talk about the Bucks because we're coming back. You sit around at the, at the lunch table at the break room and you talk about these things. You talk about the weather. You talk about their kids. You know them. But are you praying for them? I want you to start praying for them. And I want you to start praying that God will give you the boldness. If, 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 you, don't, if you don't feel that confidence in your walk and your relationship with God yet to lead them to Christ yourself, then, then, then you connect them with someone who can. You get up the confidence to at least invite them to come to church with you. Tell them how God has impacted your life. Tell them what God has done in, in your life. Here's the thing. Who are you inviting to weekend service? Who are you inviting to a community group? Who are you trying to connect with? Because when you understand the why, then the what and the how becomes a lot more easy. Because the passion is driving me to move past that uncomfortable, awkward moment because it's so deep in my heart. If each person owned the why, it would, res- it would spark revival in our land. And I don't mean revival like week-long camp meeting service either. I mean real revival, where lives are being changed, where disciples are being made, where people are being introduced to life change because of the power of the gospel, where people's hearts are set on fire to serve God unashamedly where people are growing, where people are seeing their marriages healed, where they're seeing children who haven't talked to them for years, begin to, those relationships begin to be restored and reconciliation happens, where people who had life-controlling addictions and habits and chains, that those things begin to break off by the power of the gospel. Where the kindness of the Lord leads them to a place of repentance, where, where someone caring about them enough to disciple them and hold them accountable and help them to grow in understanding this new life and this new walk in God, someone cares enough about them to inconvenience themselves and serve them and show them the love of God. That would spark a revival in our land. And we need to wake up because we've gotten way too comfortable. We've gotten way too comfortable. Revival where life change is not man-made, where it's not manufactured but where it's a Holy Spirit-driven change of the heart. As of this month, Word of Grace is debt-free. We've made our final payment. That's great. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much. It took longer than I wanted it to. We had to change some things around, move some things around. It was supposed to happen last year, but we had to slow down on some things. And now we're at a place to where we can say, praise God, thank God for that. That's wonderful. This building is paid for. Word of grace owes nothing. Thank God. That's an amazing thing. It's an exciting thing. But here's the thing. Don't get comfortable. See, God has called us to be a church of influence, 
for his kingdom. Sometimes when we accomplish things, sometimes when we, when we, when we cross bridges, we exhale. And there's time for exhaling, there's time for high-fiving and sharing and celebrating, and that's great and that's exciting. But I don't want us to just hit the coast button and hit the cruise button and go, oh, well, we're debt-free, oh, praise God, let's just... No, 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 we have a mission. Amen? You see, God has called us to be a church of influence in this area for his kingdom. Sheboygan County has 115,000 people in it, and that means that each church in this county, if it were filled to the brim, could hold 965 people on a Sunday morning. How many churches are doing that? There's the harvest is plentiful. Amen? Each church could almost hold a thousand people. But the laborers are few. You see, we're going to outgrow this facility. I'm going to say that again because some people didn't hear me. I'm sorry. We're going to outgrow this facility. We're going to outgrow it because, not because we, we, we want to have a big building. I don't care about buildings. I could care less about that stuff. But because of the people that God is going to reach through this church because we understand the why. That's why. Not because we got some agenda to be somebody. I'm over that. That's, 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 I don't have time for that. Not because somebody has, has an ego issue. We don't have time for that. We're done with that. We've got a kingdom agenda. Amen? Amen? That we understand why it is we do what we do. I have something I want to share with you before we take communion. Ushers, you can go ahead and get ready. This is a Word of Grace Community Church Bulletin from 1995. I had not seen this until about a year ago when Pastor Andy Shanholtz came on staff. He said, I have an old bulletin. You want to see it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because he's been in this church, I think, since Jesus came here to this church. And I wish he was here to hear me say that. Um, he's been around for a while, and he's a, he's a saver of things. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for Pastor Andy. I love him very much. He, he brought this to me, and I opened it up, and I just started weeping when I read it. Because when I came here to this church three and a half years ago, God put on my heart that we're called to love God, love people, and serve the world. We're called to make disciples. We're called to serve people. We're called to love on people. We're called to teach the Word of God in a way that will cause people to grow up and be disciples because we have a mission, because we have a vision. And here is what the pastor wrote back in 1995 that our mission was in this bulletin. Our mission is to deliver the message of God's grace, the gospel, to Sheboygan County and beyond. To call people to a changed life as a part of God's family and to make disciples of Jesus Christ who are serving in his kingdom and impacting their world. When I read that, I began to weep. This is who we're called to be, and it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the fact that I came up with love God, love people, and serve the world. It's the same thing. It's just different wording. When I read that, I said, love God, love people, and serve the world. And it confirmed in my heart that this is where I was called to be. This is where God wants me to invest my life as the lead pastor. And this is who we're called to be as a church. And this is what we're going to spend our time doing. And if we understand the power of the why, it's going to drive us to do it. Because the gospel's beating in our chest. Because Jesus Christ has gripped us to the point to where he's beating in our chest. 
and we're going, Jesus, you've done so much for me. You're moving me to change. You're moving me to grow. You're moving me to tell others about your message because I understand why. I believe I have the greatest message in the world, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So one last time, why do we do what we do? Because we have the greatest message in the world. What are we going to do about it? We're going to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. How are we going to do it? How are we going to partner together to do this? We're going to intentionally invest those sphere of influence, those relationships for God's kingdom. So I want you to identify who are you going to invite? Who are you going to pray for? Who are you intentionally investing in? It may take a while. It may be something that that you're investing in for a long time, but God's called you to invest. God's given you that sphere of influence for a reason. And it's not just because God knew you needed buddies. That's great. We all need buddies. We all need friends. But there's something even deeper that could impact their eternity. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.